Fargo Center that some of my jerseys are done. Oh, really? I sent uh, 25 jerseys down over the course of 14 orders. And it looks like four orders are done. So, we shall see how many uh, are screwed up. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be messing you up on purpose, man. I I do wonder if they know. Uh, They'll be like, oh, that's Dan the Flyer. we got to fuck this one up. But, yeah, are we taking bets how many they're going to fuck up? This is the fourth year I've done it. They've got at least wrong in all previous three years. Out of 25, how many do they fuck up? Uh, I'm going to say probably 20%. What are the the names? Oh, Jesus. Figure this out for sure. Let's see. We got Pronger, Briere, Gagne, Timnin, LeCavalier, Moran, Bobrovsky, Brashear, LeClaire, Brindamore, Renberg, Moran, Giroux, Giroux, Moran, York, Hart, Emery, Mason, Brodsky, Brzgalov, Breer, Timon, and Simmons, Yager. I think 50% are going to be messed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th- does the E in Leclerc and the apostrophe in Brindamore count? Yeah. If they fuck that yeah. up, I'm going to be so. So, so what I no, actually did. Those, yeah. those two are definitely fucked up. Mm-hmm. I would probably also say. Brzgalov. Uh, Brzgalin. If I get another Brzgalin jersey, it. Yeah. so fucking help me, man. No, was, no, you said another one. Was it Timonen? Uh, yeah, there were there was two Timonens in there actually. What were the last couple? Uh, Breer, Timonen, Simmons, Yager. Were, Simmons uh, will mess up. Winter Classics. I think Timonen they might fuck up. Drew, they're not going to screw up. Hart, they're not going to screw up. Emery, they're not going to screw up. Hart, they're going to add an E at the end. <laughs> Any Anything with more than six letters, I think it's pretty much a guarantee that they're screwing that up. So I sent them down over 14 orders just because, you know, I can send them two at a time that way. And Cole was like, why don't you just put them all in a box and send them down at one time? And I'm like, I guess I could. But, like, I don't trust them doing two jerseys right, let alone trying to have them figure out 25 jerseys that are all ranging sizes, styles, in different... It's like, fuck off. So I have been... So the LeClaire and Brindamore, they're the old vintage black jerseys, and they're Reebok 6100s, and I took a screenshot of the confirmation email they send me, and I copy and pasted a picture of a John LeClaire jersey on the back and how the nameplate is supposed to be stylized and how the Brendamore nameplate is supposed to be stylized. So theoretically, they shouldn't fuck that up. But I thought about it, and I'm like, I sent them paperwork with everything, with the name and number on it, and they still fuck it up. So they're clearly not even looking at the paperwork that I'm sending all these details on for them what to screw up and what not to screw up. So... I don't know. We shall see. But four of them are coming back, so it's eight jerseys, I think. Even probably, I don't know, I probably won't get them this weekend. I got they're these gonna, tonight. So. They're going to fuck up the Chris Pronger one. They're going to replace the G with a J. <laughs> <laughs> Pronger. Yeah. It's possible. They fucked up nameplates, the Brisgallon. They fucked up what style is supposed to be what. Though I don't think anything this year was 
sent. The, the, there was a Ellis Atkinson last year. Atkinson was supposed to be home. Ellis was supposed to be away, and they got flipped. Atkinson ended up being away, and Ellis was home. I stripped my Ryan Ellis jersey, by the way. That one's going to be York. I was like, fucking, he's never playing again. I'm never going to sell it. It's been on eBay for a year. So I was like, oh, well, just strip man. that one and, and make it something else that's at least a little more appealing. So, yeah, we, sh- we shall see. They got the numbers wrong. There was a... Scott Lawton jersey a few years back that they made number 12, I believe it was. Maybe it was Rofflin at 21. Either way, whatever the <laughs> fuck it was, they got the numbers backwards. And Yeah. So, um... the fuck is working over there? Bro, I have no <laughs> idea. Like, There's so many errors. <laughs> it's, it's so weird because that service, the Flyers are the only team that I know of that do that, where you can send them jerseys and they customizer through their official team customizer the only only time i know it's such a cool service and when it works it's awesome but at the same time it's like if i cannot 25 jerseys i guarantee at least one of them is gonna be fucked up somehow and it's like what am i fucking paying for at that point so i don't know god it's dumb but i don't know who they got working down there but hopefully it's better it didn't take you know six months this time to get them back it's been uh, about a month and a half maybe which is within their time frame so you know we shall see i guess I'll keep everyone updated. Trust me, you'll get my meltdown on Twitter if one of them are wrong. <laughs> I mean, you might be one of the only people giving him business, Dan. I mean, that fuck, could like... be true. I have thought about that. Like, how many people are uh, buying Flyers jerseys right now? Well, apparently, tickets now for the home opener are fifty percent off. No, oh, Jesus Christ! Are you serious for the whole thing? That's for all that's, tickets. That's what uh, Russ Joyce said on. Uh, oh wow! On I haven't even checked because there's yeah, no way in hell I'm going. <laughs> Yeah, and apparently, I don't know, I guess season ticket holders aren't too happy. Shocking. So the home opener is not going to be well attended. And no. why would it be? Because the, the season's over before it even starts. <laughs> yeah, anybody with two fucking brain cells to rub together should, uh, especially the Couturier news two weeks before it happens. Probably not great. One thing to pay attention to during that opener, and they normally do televise this, but I could see them not doing this year, is... So in the home opener, they'll announce every single player as they come out of the tunnel and stuff with the fake fire and everything. And um, <laughs> I think there's a good chance that everybody's booed, except for like a John Tortorella. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Patrick fucking Brown. Like, who the fuck? Who the fuck is Patrick Brown? Nicholas like, Delorier. Nick Delorier. He be... looks like somebody that gets paid a million dollars to punch people in the face. Looks like a goddamn caveman. Yeah, he looks rough, man. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I I saw an interesting uh, back and forth between uh, a couple of people on Twitter, and it centered around JVR. And a couple of other people got involved, and basically the crux of the argument was. A lot of people are arguing that, you know, JVR, you know, should be able to get something uh, in return at the trade deadline. And <laughs> and and basically I, the opinion that I agreed with was it's probably going to be in the neighborhood of like a fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And other, pe- and other people were like, no way you could get way more. It's he's a t- especially if he hits like 25 goals. And- I had somebody tell me one time that they have to give up a first round pick to get rid of him. But if they wait till the trade deadline, they can get a first round pick for him. And I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with you fucking people? If, if teams are bending you over the barrel, if this guy had any legitimate value during the summer somebody would have paid up for him at least not force chuck fletcher to give up you know three first round picks to give up the guy if there was a team that actually wanted him 
you could have had him for free. You could just had him. You know, maybe at the trade deadline, if he puts up his usual like 20 goal, 40 point fucking season and nothing else matters, I'm sure you can move him at the deadline for like a fourth round pick, but you're not getting a King's Ransom for fucking JVR in 2023. You're not. You're absolutely not. It's a mid-round pick at absolute best, and it doesn't even fucking matter. You may as well just keep him on the team at this point. You didn't move him when it mattered most in the offseason. Now it's just fucking rudimentary bullshit during you know the trade deadline. You may as well just let him play out the year. Who gives a fucking shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all the other GMs know he's a dog. You know, there's no there's no market for him at all. Why would a playoff team want to bring in a guy that the last time he was in the playoffs was benched by his veteran coach? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I mean, that's really the thing that's issue is here is what value does he add? I mean, he scores goals during meaningless times of games. It's all, yeah. all garbage time goals. He's a total dog on the ice. I don't know what value he possibly could bring to a team that is going to be in the playoffs and trying to make a cup run. They already have guys that can be around the net and put pucks in. There's nothing that he does in any meaningful times during games that would be desirable by a playoff team at all. I mean, big deal if he scores, you know, I don't 23 to 25 goals. There isn't value on that for a playoff team. They already have those guys. Yep. They have guys that do that and more like <laughs> of that is the not cost, something by the way. desirable. Yeah. That's not something that's desirable at all. Like he's not good enough to acquire and he's not, you know, one of those fourth line bruisers that adds toughness either. So it's just, he's just in the middle of nothingness. Um, So yeah, I think at the end of the day, if he gets something like a fourth or fifth round pick, that's probably where you're going to max out. And who cares? What does that do for you anyway? This team needs top end talent. They're not getting it in the fourth and fifth round. So he's, his his presence and departure from the team is completely irrelevant, yep, except for his cap hit. That's it. Yep, it doesn't matter anymore. Especially <laughs> a 2023 pick. Like, yeah. teams will sit there and go, you know what? If you really want a third rounder, okay, we'll do it, but it's 2024. Yep. I'm hesitant. Like, we, we could have, we, we should have, you know, retained 50%, and I'm sure that that was on the table, and teams still walked away. Yeah. I'm sure Chuck Fletcher you know? tried everything to try and, like, somewhat move this guy during the offseason within the realm of possibility. I don't know if they would have retained half. At that point, it's not worth it anyway. But you know, retained some level of money. I believe San Filippo mentioned $1 or $2 million. And it's like, if anybody wanted JVR, they could have had him for free. You didn't have to fucking demand a King's Ransom out of Chuck Fletcher to take him. It means nobody wanted the guy. You know, because fucking anybody with a brain can look at JVR and be like, huh, this guy is an absolutely useless hockey player. <laughs> you know? It's just, God. Do you think they resign him? I've had this thought a couple times. There's they're, a chance. They're going to sit here and they're going to go, well, it is 20 goals. He did score a few in the power play, like two by two. I don't think it's going to happen, but it is a scenario that's been brewing in the back of my mind, and it fucking keeps me up at night. That's the kind of thing I have nightmares about. I'm like, oh, fuck, they're going to resign JVR. I think there's a chance of that, Dan, and here's why. is because I think JVR's agent knows that there's going to be almost no market for him as a UFA as what, like a 33 year old player who for all intents and purposes is useless. And JVR is from the area. He has been a flyer for probably most of his career by the time this contract's over this year. Um, My sense is that his agent may advise him to stay where he's at. And if the flyers offer you, you know, something like a, I don't know, like, 1.8 1.8 a season for three years or like a 3.5. It's like, like something that I think there is a chance. I am painting the picture, 
painting the picture of misery that I, there's a shot. Oh, he's a, he's a great locker room guy. The guys love him. You know, he's it, like, there's a, there's a chance that they bring him back for a couple of years on a low cap hit. I can't do it anymore, boys. I, I, if they bring Sam and JBR back next season, I can't, I can't do it anymore. This is, this is, this is, this is just torture at this point. I know. And then we're going to be committed. Oh my. Chuck's not going to be committed. We're going to be committed. There's the justice in our world today. (laughs) Oh my God. 1.8 million, 2 million. And you know, there's a shot. Oh, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Oh God. I gotta say, I can't see that, but there's going to be people on Twitter go, I don't know, man, the value, man, that's a good deal. He does have 20 goals. He plays good two-way defense. I mean, he's at the end of his career anyway. Like, even if he hits the open market this summer, I mean, who's really – where's he going to go? Like, it's seemed like a, yeah. like Dallas for one year or something or even – I don't even know if Arizona would pick him up. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think they'd pick him up. They have no use for him unless they're getting some assets in return. Like, they don't just pick up those guys. Or, he has to hit the cap floor perhaps, but, um, you know, that would be their only rationale. I, I just don't think the rest of the league is going to have interest in JVR. And I think that his agent's going to know that, and they're going to try to stay here right at home with the Flyers. I, I will say I think you're right on on the agent part, Mike, because uh, they were speculating that uh, 32 Thoughts was speculating that P.K. Subban was he retired, but part of the reason behind the retirement no was well, he wanted Montreal like, or Toronto, and they both said no, and he's like, "Fuck this, I quit." Well, the, and he's not uh, going to and he's not going to go somewhere for two million bucks, yeah, because he just he doesn't see himself as that, right? Yep. So, we you mentioned this too, Mike, on an earlier uh, program a couple weeks ago, where you know the rich get richer, the big name guys. We saw Nathan McKinnon, you know, twelve point six million AAV, and then all the guys in the middle, the two million, three million, four million dollar guys are getting squeezed. And then everybody else kind of falls into that, you know, million dollar, you know, blue light special from Kmart kind of thing. And those are the guys that are getting squeezed. And, you know, is JVR going to want to be one of those guys that gets squeezed? Nobody's going to sign him for five million or more. No way. That's for sure. So, So then for him to stay or to hand pick a place, does he go for a million five? Or two million bucks. Depends who wants to keep playing or not. <clears throat> I think so. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna squeeze it out. I. I. Um, you know, more we're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself. I mean, in reality, <laughs> like if I had to bet on it, I would bet that he's not resigned. However, yes, I think there is a legitimate chance that he is. Yes, it's, a, it's not zero. Yep. It's not one. I might put it at. 15 to 20% chance, maybe 30% chance that they would sign him. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't think it's an impossibility either. It feels mm-hmm. very on brand stupidity for the Philadelphia Flyers to do something like that. So, Did he get married here? I believe so. Because all the guys that get married here never move. They never He's move. had kids here, obviously. Yeah, kids, yes. Did he get married here? Hold I don't on. No, if his wife is Scott from Lawton this area engaged, right? Travis Sandheim yeah. engaged. He's probably going to re sign, right? 
Wait, Sanheim's engaged? No, wait a minute. Was it Sanheim? Who am I thinking? Konechny got married recently. That's the yeah. one. It was Konechny. Mm-hmm. My 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 apologies. JVR yeah. married his longtime girlfriend Lauren on July 19, 2019. So she so probably is a flyer. So he was a flyer. Yeah. Their first child was born mm-hmm. on May 2nd, 2020. The only one I could think of is maybe Abe Kubel. Yes. Yes. And obviously he, Drew, but he met Nick Abe Kubel met his now wife. I think they're married around here. Um, and then they got engaged. Uh, I'm not sure if they got engaged as a flyer or like as soon as he went to Colorado. I think it was soon something. after he was in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the flyer. wife thing obviously plays a big factor in that because there's the pull to the area and having roots here and like that, you know, that's meaningful for these guys. So that could influence his decision to potentially give the flyers a discount to stay where he's at. Mm-hmm. Till death do you part. Yeah. Once the uh-huh. flyer, you're staying here forever. Yeah, that seems to be the way it goes these days. Hmm? Yep, it's definitely possible. Unless. Unless Tortorella, you know, has Tortorella rips this guy a new asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, JVR, if JVR struggles this season based upon Tortorella's standards, then I could see them not even taking him at a discount because it's, it it was so brutal with the coach. But since you guys mentioned Tortorella, a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about accountability. And finally holding players accountable and he won't give a shit. He'll sit whoever it is if he doesn't, if they don't give an effort. And I know Dan, you expressed online that you'll believe it kind of when you see it, although you do want to believe it. I do believe that there's one person that's going to hold to their word on holding players accountable. It's John Tortorella. But at the same time, like we've heard this before. They were going to hold players accountable. If the youth play well, they're playing with the vets play. There's like shit. They're going to get scratched. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so if anybody's going to do it, it's torts. But at the same time, there is yeah. that, you know, inner just, you know, I, I know what the Flyers have done over the last few years here when it comes to this kind of thing. And it's never been uh, never been the right choice. So, you know, I, I asked that because with all the injuries. Couturier out, Ellis out, you know, Farabee out putting players in roles and expanding their responsibilities and putting them in positions that they've never been in before. How much accountability can there be? Like, is this team going to, because they're not good enough. Yeah. They're not good enough. And then, I mean, listen, Torts is a smart guy. I think he knows that, but do you see like this team? Listen, they're a bunch of quitters. Yeah. They're a bunch Mm -hmm. of coach killers and Mm -hmm. they've gotten guys run out of town here over and over again. This is with the injuries already on this club. Is this team going to get into the season, you know, five, 10 games in, you know, they're starting to lose games and, you know, a couple of losing streaks here and there. Are they going to start to put their heads down like right away? Yeah. Or is John Tortorella going to be able to, you know what? I'm benching you and I'm benching you and I'm putting this person in. And is that going to actually do anything or is the injuries going to play too big of a factor because these guys are just going to give up because they know they're not good enough. It's the immovable force versus the the impenetrable object. What the fuck the phrase is on that one. Can John Tortorella, (laughs) like if anybody's going to do it, like I said, it's John Tortorella, but the flyers are such a black hole of talent these days. Then, you know, they, they have a long track record of giving up on coaches and, 
not playing very hard, but you know, is Tortorella going I, to be the difference maker? I think there's a good chance that Torts does do it. And I think that the talent disparity is going to be an issue, but he'll recognize that. So even if the flyers are losing games, but guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing like that losing in the right way, I think that there's still going to be a problem with that. And the one thing that Torts said that I, I mean, he said a couple things that resonated with me personally, but one thing he said with regard to this topic was that um, he was asked about the accountability issue in the locker room and Guys may be friends, but they are not kind of calling each other out when there's problems and addressing problems head on. And Tort said something to the effect of these guys aren't going to do it themselves now, so I'm going to have to do it for the time being. But the goal is, is that the players will start to become leaders and then tell him, hey, coach, I got this. I can figure this out. So that was kind of an interesting. I never really heard a coach say that, you know, at this level. That's what, you know, when you're in like a like college coach or something like developmental leagues, coaches have to do that because the players aren't professionals yet. They don't know how to conduct themselves. They're not sure how to leverage their strategies. They're not sure how to get the most out of each other and talk to one another as a teammate rather than a friend, you know, but we see torts say that at the professional level. And I believe him. I think Torch is going to be in that room, you know, pointing the finger at these guys if they're not doing what they're told. And until someone else, a leader emerges that starts to do that on their own, which is what good teams do. Um, we're going to see probably towards do that for at least half the season. It's kind of like you're getting this. Um, I don't know. I'll say the karate kid or something like this, like <laughs> real grizzled veteran, like coming in that yeah. knows the craft and you're getting, you know, this like, wide-eyed, uh, inexperienced, unsophisticated uh, group of players in here, and and the grizzled veteran has to start from square one. And he's starting from square one. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous. He's played the part There's thus literally far. no one there. Like he, but, he's, yeah. he's stuck to the script to this point in the season, and I think once the on-ice losing starts to occur and he can actually get his mitts on this fucking team and see what he can do, that's where I'll be, like I said, I... If there's one guy that can combat this rogue locker room, it's Torts. He's not going to take shit from anybody. Like, we, we know what the fuck Tortorella can do when he's not thrilled with the situation that he's in. So I think in in a lot of ways, we're going to get answers to that this year. You know, and, and then, of course, this falls back on the feet of Chuck Fletcher of will he make the changes to the diagnosis that Torts gives? You know, if he says, hey, Travis Konechny is the cancer in the locker room. Can you get rid of this fucking guy? You know, will Chuck Fletcher say, all right. Or will he say, no, we like him too much. You know, that'll be that'll be the problem, I guess, for next offseason. But yeah, you know, Torres is going to come in. He's going to do his thing. Uh, he, he's come as advertised thus far. I don't expect uh, much to change as we continue on here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And his quote on this was, um, he, I think Tortorella was asked about, his summer comments about the, you know, the room being splintered. And he said that um, it's not about guys not liking each other. It's about a lack of accountability. Guys maybe being too friendly, not pushing each other. I mean, that's exactly what we've been saying for years. Years. Is that, and the players say the locker, oh, it's the tightest group of guys I've ever played with. This is the best room ever. It's because you're all friends, you know, and no one's willing to push each other and say, no, you're doing this wrong. And we're going to stay at practice until you prove you can do it right. No one said that in eight years. (laughs) Yeah, look at the guy that just won the cup. Remember, everyone was laughing at Nathan McKinnon and his yeah. dietary choices. Who's laughing now? And being so intense at practice, too. He was on guys' ass at, at practice for not making good enough passes. Yep. Do you think any of those players cares that uh, they weren't allowed to eat chicken fingers in the <laughs> yeah, locker room? Right. <laughs> I don't. 
I think they'd rather have a Stanley Cup ring, and that's what they yep. got. Yep. Yeah, no question. Oh, and I love this, too. It's speaking about uh, John Tortorella and accountability stuff. There was kind of a, uh, I guess, a dust-up on this earlier. So when Torch was first hired, he mentioned during his his initial interview that was at his house, I think, virtually, uh, that the locker that his understanding was the locker room was splintered. Right. And I remember that then I think it was like last week on TSN or something. He had a quote that said some of the effect of I have major concerns about the locker room and everybody. I mean, that was a big deal. It got a lot of national attention, sparked my interest. People were a buzz about that. Um, and I think it speaks a lot about the locker room and about his impression. And then you saw a couple of um, a couple of the Flyers lap dogs uh, come out of the woodwork and say, oh, this isn't news. This isn't news. He already said this before. Why is that, this even getting any traction? That was wild. When That is unbelievable. That, <laughs> I, I Something like, oh, we've known the locker room has been shit for years. It's nothing new. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, damn if you damn if you don't. Number one, it is news because last time I checked when a coach or when someone, I guess, casually mentions the word splintered, that isn't really the same as saying there's major concerns. So that's that's wildly different things on the spectrum here. Then if you are to believe the lap dogs, then it's like, okay, well then why weren't you guys reporting it over the past couple of years? You've been hiding it then. So damned if you do damned if you don't, but shame on you for trying to act like a jackass. Like it's not news. So the tweet on that one says John Tortorella referred to the locker room stuff from last season. And at least two previous interviews, it also came up in a roundabout way on exit day. It's not some new revelation. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, when things come up in a roundabout way, that's not a new revelation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you report it then? <laughs> oh, don't worry. They've knowingly been unchanged, unmitigated uh, disaster for years in the offseason. And they just said, yeah, let's bring the entire team back and not make any changes. All right. That's new. <laughs> what in the hell? The, the other thing, too, is when <laughs> Torts did the interview at his house, that kind of wasn't really picked up on by national media. And when he said it on, I don't even remember if it was TSN or whoever it was, sports, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. But when he said that, that he had major concerns, all of a sudden it was picked up all over the place and people were talking about it. So you kind of have to respond to that and assume that people kind of, you know, are, are picking this information up for the first time, whether it was mentioned or not, doesn't really matter because people are talking about it. You kind of have to address it. Like, and, and, and to your point, Mike, a lot of these beat reporters and people that, you know, work with closely with the team, etc., they know a lot more than they let on. Yeah. And let's face facts. They're, they're smart people. And for the most part, money talk. They're pretty. They're pretty good at their job, and at least, certainly in some cases, they. they I think that uh, in in years past, I think they were relied on a little bit heavier. Their wealth of knowledge is there. They know things. Why they choose not to put things out? It goes back to where they're. You know who's signing the check, mm-hmm. essentially. Unfortunately, and. And I think that that's the divide is very obvious these days from the people that are directly associated with the flyers, whether it be through paycheck or credentials and the people that are not, 
you know, that that line of who's covering who, who's licking whose ass, you know, that kind of thing is, is a very obvious growing divide. You know, what about the organ? So the Washington Capitals, so the Caps cut their organ guy, yeah. have removed their organ player from arena experience in its entirety. And I made a comment about it. They got a lot of traction because um, I was like, oh, that's something the Flyers would do or have done. <laughs> and a lot of people responded to it. And apparently the Flyers are going to be bringing back in Oregon for the um, retro nights on the five or six Thursday games that they're having this season. Hmm. But my question for the team is, are you really bringing back an organist or are you just playing a little organ track? Because you yeah, either have an organ in the arena or you don't, right? <laughs> That's a good, good question. I have no idea. Speaking of differences between uh, the front office and, and game day and whatnot, uh, Val Camilla got promoted to president and CEO of Spectacor Sports and Entertainment. So I don't know if her job t- you know, her job description changes much. I think that's more uh, solidifies her as a solid number two to Dave Scott within the organization at this point, which uh, does beg the question: if the Reaper comes calling and eventually starts you know, cut down this front office here and Scott pays the price and is gone. Is Val Camillo taking over for Dave Scott? And what do you think she ultimately does when it comes to hockey ops? This isn't because, you know, we talked about this on one of our last recordings. Like when it comes to job descriptions, she's doing her job. She's done a very good job doing what it is she's paid to do. Right. If she's put as the head honcho of the flyers and the ownership role of the spectacore. Like all she needs to do is be smart enough to realize she's not smart enough. Right. She doesn't have to. And the thing with Dave Scott is like this guy, he's so hot and cold towards how he seems to handle this team. There are times when it feels like he's too hands on when he's there declaring AV get fired by Don, you know, and then there are other times where he's hands off where Chuck Fletcher is just flat out right driving the ship into the iceberg and he's not doing a goddamn thing about it. There's at least three separate occasions this offseason where Chuck Fletcher should have been fired on the spot for sheer incompetence. So, you know, she doesn't have to actually get her hands dirty with the Flyers, but it will be of utmost importance to put people in place at the president of hockey ops, at the general manager, at the assistant general manager, and potentially coach whenever, again, this is not something I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but in the near future, to put people in charge of the hockey ops department that know what the fuck they're doing here. And I think that is a huge reason why this team is failing as miserably as they are, is Chuck Fletcher is like, Holds all the major titles there. Nobody's questioning him. You got 101 other old, you know, Holmgren and Clark and Barber. All these guys are hanging around doing whatever it is they're doing these days. I have no idea how in touch they are on a day-to-day basis. I don't think very much. But, you know, you've got to hire a legitimate president of hockey ops, separate that role from the GM, create a little bit of a work ladder here to separate this front office and, and put responsibilities on different people. Like... It could be a very interesting move if she handles it smartly going forward and, you know, she can continue to do whatever it is she does with scoreboards and whatever and and bring in hockey people that know what the fuck they're doing here. Because I think that's one of the biggest missing links for this front office right now is Chuck Fletcher's running the whole goddamn show and he's a fucking jackass. Yes, I I think that if if Val gets put in the CEO and governor role in the next six months, one or two years... Um, you know, 
I'm not sure I have a ton of confidence, but it's got to be better than what Dave is doing right now. And the one thing that at least does give me some hope is that when Val came into her current position, or I guess her prior position um, with heading the business operations stuff, she cleaned house. And I think that was not a great idea. I think there were a lot of great people that already worked for the Flyers under Sean Tilger and a lot of those folks were doing phenomenal work. And she came in and said, nope, I'm the new boss. I'm wiping the slate. I don't give a shit who you are. I'm bringing to my own people. Maybe, maybe she has that mentality when she goes into the CEO and governor role and says, look, the franchise on the ice has been atrocious since I've got here in 2016 or whatever it was she got here. Um, whatever they're doing, it ain't working. So I'm going to clean house again and try to bring in a new front office in its entirety. Yeah. And maybe that's the key here. Now, obviously, we don't know if she's going to bring in the right people, but at least there's a willingness to try it. And I think that's kind of where our expectations are right now. I would imagine that because she's a female and she's in a very male dominated sport, which is starting to, you know, gain some inroads for females in management positions, et cetera. Um, I think that the tendency would probably be to look for Val Camillo to be someone of action rather than just sitting there. I totally can see that she would really want to put her stamp uh, on things and, and really start out kind of with a bang and really start, uh, you know, trying to shape and mold uh, that front office to her liking. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether or not she believes truly in her heart that the organization's on the right or wrong track, that's interesting because I we don't know, we don't we don't know. And as far as we know, she's got to be cognizant of it, though, right? I would assume she's one of the people that deals with the financial side of this team and the situation, and with yes. the lack of season tickets and just the general, you know, especially once this season starts, I think when we get get uh, get games in the Wells Fargo Center when the puck drops in October and the building's going to be empty on a night-to-night basis. This will be a much bigger problem. I assume she's one of the people higher up on that food chain that can do something about the business side and realizes how goddamn disaster it is. Now, whether she realizes that it stems from the hockey side or whether she stems that they're going to bring in more pizza makers, I guess would be the ultimate question there. But, you know, you would think that sooner or later, you can only upgrade the Wells Fargo Center so much. They've done a lot so far. Sooner or later, they're, they're going to have to come to the conclusion that, all right, it's the hockey side, right? Like, hey, let's try and fucking put a team in there. I mean, it's going to win more than 25 She has games, to know right? the roster. Yes, stinks. she's got to know. <laughs> well, that, but then it goes back to, so Dave Scott is still the chairman of Comcast mm -hmm. Spectacor. And he oversees, you know, Aramark, the Wells Fargo Center, the Wings, the what is it, the main Mariners? Is it the Wings? Yeah, yeah. Wings and the gaming the shit, Mariners and, Mariners and, and all that, and, the know. stupid video game thing, and fusion. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the fusion. <laughs> but so then she is the second in command then of Comcast Spectacor. Sure, sounds like it. I guess so. Yeah. Right so, now, yes. Right, yeah. yeah. Right That's now, cool. I would assume so. Yeah. So what differentiates her from Dave Scott at this point? Because she's the CEO. Like she's still technically working under Scott. I guess he's still the head honcho and she's one step below him. I don't think her role, though, it. I don't think her role 
now bleeds into hockey ops at all. No, I don't I think, think so it's either. just an advanced. I think it's just a, the a, press a release is like 10,000 words long and it's all nothing to do with hockey. It's all, you know, upgrades and her track records and whatnot. So I, I don't think she has much to do with hockey ops at this moment. No. Yeah, I think it's just um, it's just window dressing with the title, I think, to give her a promotion since she's been here for a couple of years without a promotion yet. But maybe I mean, the key is, is that we are so desperate for change at that level that I don't give a shit who it is, if it's her or, you know, freaking Mickey Mouse comes in or something, <laughs> but somebody to come in here and change what the hell the hockey people it can't are possibly get worse, right? No, no, it can't. No, I feel like every time I, I say that, it just fucking keeps getting worse. I don't think. Well, it can get worse <laughs> if the it can get worse if the current regime is in place for another year or two, three years, whatever. Uh, I don't think it can get worse if the regime is replaced. I think it can only go up. I think it stays. I mean, I guess it could stay the same, but I mean, you got to think that even if they bottom out, though, they're still going to get the high end talent and that's going to do something for them. Like all they're doing now is is preventing themselves from getting good players. Like, like, like That's the whole mantra of the team. It's and that's the thing. Like and we we talked about this, I guess, it was on the last episode, with you know if Dylan Larkin and David Pasternak are available this summer, and you turn your nose up at them, and it's like, what separates the Flyers from a team like the Coyotes or the Sabers right now? You're in the same fucking boat as they are. You absolutely refuse to add outside talent and actually get better. You're playing the draft game here. You're saying, well, this year we're going to see what Tyson Forrester and Noah Cates can do. And next year we're going to see what Desnoyers and Gautier can do. And then the year and after that, we're going to see what this one can do. Yeah, you're just you're banking like, on We don't these need the picks. top three picks. At least Buffalo and Arizona are trying to do that. Flyers, oh, we don't need any top picks like that. We'll just stay at 14. We're good. They're just <laughs> trying the same strategy that they've been trying since Ron Hextall took over in 2014 and have had absolutely no success doing it. The, the idea that your roster needs to be composed of 23 players drafted and developed by your team is fucking bullshit. It's a fallacy. No sports team in the history of mankind has ever been drafted and developed solely based on your organization. You need to add the outside talent. You need to make those moves. And the argument that I hear is, well, you know, you can't sign Johnny Gaudreau because one player is not going to change anything. And I sit here and think about that. And I'm like, that's not technically wrong. But what happens if Tyson Forrester breaks out this year? What happens if he puts up 35 goals this year? He's here by himself because you refuse to surround him with talent. That's the same thing you're doing with Gaudreau. It's just this guy's on a slightly cheaper contract for a year or two before his ELC expires. Right? Like, I just, mm -hmm. it frustrates the Elite shit out of me. Elite players make other players better, and especially younger guys. Bringing in outside talent is not a bad thing. It accelerates the development of your prospects. Tyson Forrester is going to succeed at the NHL playing alongside a playmaker like Johnny Gaudreau more so than he would playing along a piece of shit like Travis Konechny. It's just, that's just what, that's just truth. Why are you putting so much stock into prospects and then setting your prospects up to fail by not properly insulating up the NHL level? We've been doing this fucking same bullshit mistake for year and year and year and year now. And now you don't even have Giroux. You don't have Voracek anymore. 
you don't even have the cursory guys that they did have to try and make this happen. It's so fucking frustrating to to sit back and see this kind of direction. And yet they're so goddamn concerned about bringing Sandheim back. Why? <laughs> so two things there. So uh, Friedman on the latest 31 Thoughts mentioned the same thing regarding Chicago. So they said, you know, with toes and with Taves and Kane, Taves has kind of hinted that, you know what, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild and he kind of could use a move. But Kane's been quiet and he hasn't approached anybody publicly or privately. And he's kind of waiting. And I think that uh, what he was hinting at was Chicago is basically sitting there going, if we win the Bedard sweepstakes, don't you want to play him with Patrick Kane? Ideally, yeah. yeah. Holy yeah. shit! That's the best be cool. thing yeah. that you can possibly do. So, would you? But be they'd able have to, to re-sign a... Kane, wouldn't they? Because he's up at the end of the year. Yeah. I can't imagine he would ask for more than ten million bucks that he's getting now, is he? Probably not yeah, at this point. His career, he, no. yeah. I mean, he'd probably prefer to stay there too. It just adds a little bit of a wild card to it. Is that he's not actually signed through or into next year? But yeah, yeah, I think. Your point stands. Yeah. 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 Point stands. Yeah. And I mean, and if they get rid of Taves, then that frees up 10 million there. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. even matter. Right. Yep. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it it just, I'm speaking of like some of these, you know, salaries and everything else with young players. Like I wouldn't put even Buffalo in the same category as, as the flyers. I think they're totally on a different track. Now they are. It was a long time where they weren't, but now they are. Yeah, for sure. Like look at the contracts that we've, and I don't agree with all of them, but like uh, Ottawa signed Stutzla for 8.3 million, yeah. right? Uh, Robert Thomas, 8125. Jordan Cairo, 8125. Tage Thompson, 7.1. These are all RFAs that are, you know, 24, 23 ish years old. And these teams are banking on the salary cap, you know getting a, a nice healthy boost in the next few years that those are actually going to be really good deals. I don't mm-hmm. agree with the Cairo one. And I don't think Thomas is an $8 million player either. I, I get it for Stutzla because Ottawa is a team that listen, they're not going to attract free agents. They need to keep these young players. And that's why they've signed them all. They signed uh, Kachuk, you know, Formanton, uh what's the center, Josh Norris, uh, Shabbat, they've signed them all. So this is their group that they're going to go, you know, gangbusters with for the next, you know, six, seven years or whatever it is. When you look at the Flyers, if you sign Travis Sanheim, who's a UFA, not an RFA. Going to be 27 in the spring, by the way. He's 27. Wow. 27. 27. So, Holy hell. So you're going to, you're going to, you know, Sign him, and let's say Cutter Gauthier plays really well out the gate, and he's everything that you wanted him to be, and everything that you thought. And in three years' time, are you going to be able to, once he becomes, you know, an RFA, and to stop a team from poaching him, because the Flyers are going to be up against the cap, are you going to be able to sign that guy? To a seven million dollar. I have had that thought contract. myself as well over the last little mm-hmm. while, especially when it comes to you know Sanheim and Provorov. Block out their own young. If guys. you end up keeping Sanheim and Provorov, <laughs> what happens if York plays well? 
and he needs a contract, even if it's just something like three and a half or something like that. How are you going to afford that shit? You know, it's a very interesting thing that if these young guys are as good as you think they're going to be, and, you know, they do have some leeway. I think Forrester hasn't even burned a year off his LC yet. I think he's got three. So you do have a couple years there to to figure this out. But, you know, what if Noah Cates, like these college kids that aren't signed for a very long time, what if they show up in our wood? You know, you have so much money committed in this shitty, shitty group of veteran core players here. Now, what happens if they are good? Then you're going to have to burn your feet to the fire with somebody like Travis Connecting and lose your ass in a trade anyway. You know, it's just, there is nothing. There is not a single angle I can think of where resigning Sanheim is the right way to go. There's just nothing. Nothing. Not one thing I have been proposed that I have thought of that anybody's proposed to me that I can think of signing this guy is the ultimate perfect outcome for this team. I just can't do it. Uh, there's uh, 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 the fact that they're doing this is is insane, and I hope it's just talk. I hope the talks deteriorate. I hope they don't make a move until the trade deadline. <laughs> like it just it doesn't make a goddamn Sandy. lick of sense that this guy's gonna be on this team for the next you know decade. Well, the I mean the Flyers signing him is consistent with what they do. Is, I mean it's on brand you, for sure. Yeah, all you have to do if you're a Flyer, if you're one of the players here, all you can have you to hold do a stick and skate six by six yep, contract show mild competency at the NHL level that you can hang. And if you can do that, just mild competency, then they will guarantee you almost a career's worth of contracts. Yeah. Look, you know, Scott Lawton, Michael Raffle, Matt Reed, Andrew McDonald, Dale Weiss, Nick Delorier. I mean, like these guys have shown mild competencies Sans McDonald, I would say, but mild competencies at the NHL level. And they are guaranteed to be flyers for seven to 13 years. Yep. Like, who does that? Like, stop it. It's it's just so ridiculous that they value these guys. And I would even say that Sandheim is above these guys, but he's certainly not a star player. He's not a franchise-altering yeah, player. Sure. So he's above mild competency. He's actually probably legit competent. And the Flyers are going to, you know, they've already had him for, what would you say, Dan? He's in his seventh year coming up here? He was drafted in 2014. This is, his, wow. this is year six for him at the NHL. Six NHL level, so then I'll have six years under his belt, and they'll sign him for another six, so he'll be here for 12 years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that's like the baseline these days. It, it, I, I just... I didn't get it. Especially, it sure seems like, if I had to guess what's going to happen here, is they're going to re-sign Sanheim when they're going to get rid of Provorov. And, like, contract aside, because the money will probably ultimately even out in those deals, more or less, but, like, just from a hockey perspective... Who in the fuck think that's a good idea? I realize the chart people love Sanheim. And listen, when he's on, he was very good. He was a very good player last season. I, but I don't think his play in the defensive zone is up to snuff. And the idea He's not that, an all-star either. He's not even close to an all-star. No, you even, know? He's, like, a, he's a good puck mover. That's about it. He's not necessarily an Eric Carlson-esque offensive defenseman. And he's certainly not very good in his own zone. But... If you get rid of Pro, like, I don't, a lot of people have turned on Ivan Provo over the last little while. I'll never understand why. But Provov has eaten so many hard minutes that Sanheim has never once touched in his career. And you're going to put Sanheim, who's doing just fine in the role that he's given, you're going to put him in those hard minutes that he's never had to eat, that Provov has taken on effortlessly. 
That's a, that's a, that is one of those moves that could be a franchise destroying mistake right there. Getting rid of Provorov. And even when Provorov isn't great, listen, he's had a, he's had a rough season. Ever since Niska retired, he's just been on a, a weird trend there playing with, you know, the crypt keeper, Justin Braun. You know, you gotta fucking figure something out to stabilize that guy. And the defense gets stabled because of it. I cannot believe they're going to go down this route. That 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 has to be where they're going. There's no way you can keep both Provorov and Sanheim. Some one of those two shitheads is going to have to go, and it sure seems like they're leaning towards keeping Sanheim. Just from an on ice perspective, the fucking potential mistake you have there. They better fucking cross every last finger they have and hope that Cam York is legit and that this guy's the real deal and he's the new Scott Niedermeyer that he can put this team on his back and step into that number one role flawlessly at 22 years old or whatever he is and make it happen and that Zamula comes up and he looks as good as he is because I, I do love me Semigor Zamula but like you better hope those two can step up and make it if your plan is to get rid of Provorov because this idea of we're just going to promote Sanheim into that role and think that he's going to handle all these hard minutes effortlessly and flawlessly man that 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 is just a horrible, horrible decision. I don't give a shit what anybody's personal opinion on, on Provarv is or what you think he's a diva or not. I don't care. From a strictly honest perspective, that is a bad idea from a mile away, and I cannot believe they're going to voluntarily do that to themselves. For me, I think it, the decision should have been made last season. When you handed Ristolainen that contract, you're basically saying somebody's going. Somebody else is is going. Yep, exactly. And I and I would have probably leaned Sandheim as well. But then there's that whole well, they're they're a pair. Even though even though half the fan base can't stand Bristolainen's guts, and everyone hates one or the matter. other. Yeah, right. Even though they they ended up playing decently together, who's their fucking certainly Sandheim two best players on the team last season? Yeah, but you made that commitment because you didn't want to walk away from risk the line and, and all those assets that you gave up to get him rather than admitting, you know what? We rolled the dice. We tried something. We thought it out. We thought it was a good idea and it didn't quite work out the way that we wanted to, but we're going to have greater cap flexibility going forward. And we're just going to trade risk the line at the deadline last year, which we advocated that they do. Yep. They didn't. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a position a year later where now Sandheim's up. And then now you're going to add to the, you know, defensive contracts. I can't believe so that is this Cam is York even... next year, too. Yeah, Cam He's York's, up as well. His, his entry, uh, I mean, they're going to have the most expensive defense in the league. By, and a, by a wide margin, and they're going to be and, mainly shit. Yeah. And they're mediocre. I mean, it's a mediocre defense. I mean, that's all it is. It's nothing special. Unbelievable, and I, and I and I get the whole well, he's a right defenseman thing, but that's where you know you could have drafted a, a David Juracek. That's true. But you yeah. didn't, but you went yeah. Cutter Gauthier, who I wanted. They, I wanted Juracek. He was and, my and, guy. Keep that on the record. <laughs> the, the only thing, the only like, listen, I haven't seen Cutter Gauthier play, so I can't even comment on if he's good or not. He sounds like a nice guy, and he's very confident and cocky, and I like that. They're putting a lot of eggs the, in his basket. The thing that I don't like is basically right after taking him, they're like, we know what? we're going to try to transition him to a center. Yep. It's like, why? Yep. He's he's a winger. <laughs> like, he and Danoye both, your two top center prospects are not actually centers. <laughs> no, Danoye has played center for a couple years now. He shifted a couple years ago, but just like he's a natural winger. He left a winger until a couple years ago. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> 
I, 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 I hate the way this Sandheim Pro Rev thing is going. And I've mentioned this one before as well. Like, you know, you talk about these assets in this 2023 draft. They clearly value this draft era. They, they draft the, the 2020. Like, you've kept Scott Lawton a few years back and signed him and didn't get any assets for him. You kept Ristolainen and re-signed him, didn't get any assets for him. You kept Couturier, didn't do it. Now you're going to fucking keep Sandheim and not get any assets for the guy. Like, if you would have just parted ways with these people when their contracts were up... Like, Ristolainen has value. I'm pretty sure on his current contract, he still has value as a mean right-handed defenseman. I'm sure somebody out there would take him. I don't think they're going to trade him anytime soon, but... You know, mm-hmm. these players, to a certain extent, if you lock Sanham up at 6x6, six six, nobody's going to want him. Because he's a fucking middle-pair, left-handed defenseman that most teams can find for a dime a dozen, you know, that's just not going to hold any value. I just... Fuck, man. Well, this give him is an NMC, the... too. That's the thing. Yeah, it's fucking six of his seven give years being an NMC. Yeah. And they do. Is it just the Couturier thing? I'd been promoting this piece that I wrote two years ago about Couturier saying how fucked they are if they resign him. I'm going to take this stance right now. You fucking move on from Provorov and you put all your eggs in the basket of Travis Sanheim. This team is fucked. You're absolutely fucked and you better hope over everything that you got that Cam York is a star. That is the only way this move doesn't ultimately backfire in their face. It's so painfully obvious. That that, that that that's where they're going. This is what's going to happen. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's like watching the Titanic sink, knowing I can't do anything about it. So so is Cutter Gautier, um So the Flyers are trying to influence BC to play him at center. Is that kind of how this is working? Or I guess, and I don't know. I guess yeah, because I don't, I don't know. I, Unless, because I heard have, that they have to be thinking already to play him at center. It's got to be right. I would assume if he wants yeah. to play at center, he's going to play at center. I don't know. I, it is weird because it was the thing when the Flyers first drafted him. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a winger, a left winger. And then the next day yeah. he did an interview and he's like, I'm a center. And I'm like, all right, that was weird. Yeah, like, he's like, I can play center. They clearly were like, like well, hey, Cutter, you're going to play center for us. You better start saying you're fucking center. Well, the, and what about this? Let's say, I mean, if the Flyers, let's say they get the third pick in the draft next year and they get Fantilli, he's probably NHL ready as soon as he's picked, so he would, I, I would assume, be on the Flyers. So then, how does that jive with Is he Carter a Gautier? Yeah. All right. So, I mean, Gautier's making the professional jump next year. Whether he sees NHL action, and he, I, he would qualify for the HL at that point because Joel Faraby yeah. did the same thing a few years ago. So I, I would assume. I mean, I'll, listen, I would assume Gautier's making the NHL if he's making the professional jump. But. Um, I don't know. It all depends on where Dano uh, A falls, I guess. If he's not quite ready yet, you can squeeze. You can go a one-two of Fantilli, Gautier, and then have Hayes at three C and Sean Couturier's crippled ass is retired at that point. Uh, yeah, you know the most if expensive four C in the Fantilli, league is I'd Sean cool Couturier. Yeah. <laughs> what they're gonna do? They're gonna fucking. <laughs> They're going to draft Fantilli, Gautier's going to make the jump, and they're going to be playing 3 and 4C behind Couturier and Hayes. <laughs> yeah, 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 great. Because it makes <laughs> no sense. And it him off. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan Frost is still hanging around. They gave him an eight-year contract <laughs> because they fucking don't know what they're doing. If the Flyers can get a top three pick in 23, that absolutely squeezes Morgan Frost completely out of the equation. There is you literally think, nowhere for yeah. Morgan Frost to be on this team. If that... If if that's the path that they're you would on think right Sanheim's contract expiring with two top legit left-handed prospects coming up would squeeze him out of the equation, but no, 
You would think mm-hmm. Konechny being a complete piece of shit when you've got 15 right wings that could are all NHL ready would squeeze him out, but no! Mm-hmm. So, again, it's one of those I things wonder... of, does the organization make the right call? Which is, you know, few and far between these fucking days. I wonder if Frost ends up having a decent start to the year if and the if Frost is playing well, like noticeably well, but the team is, you know, like in the tank, if you could if you could package him in Sanheim or use Frost at the trade deadline to get something. I don't know if you're gonna get anything like one for one for him, but like if you package him with like a Sanheim or something. Maybe a throw in. Yeah. Maybe you can get a decent 23 draft pick. Cause if you can get like another draft pick in like, I don't know, like around 15 or something like that would be so, so important for them. Yeah. Well, the... if, if, if he has a great start to the season, why not extend him? Like, yeah, like give him eight yeah, years early. Let's give we'll him, jump a, let's the give him a seven, yeah. $8 million deal for the next oh. eight years. Merry Christmas, Morgan Frost. Here's an eight year <laughs> contract to keep you locked in. You scored three points for your first 40 games. You deserve it. <laughs> Morgan Frost. 